0: The following is a presentation of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church and Pastor Chris Tice. For more audio and video content, please check us out on the web at www.opendoornj.org. It's to me, and it doesn't always make sense to you. Sometimes it's counterculture. Often it is. It's counter to what our desires are. It's opposite what our flesh desires to do. But it's what God says we should do. And when we do that, it takes faith. But remember that faith pleases God. It's what pleases God. And boy, I, I don't, I'd like to believe that the days of great faith are not over. The days of great faith are not done. That we can still have heroes of the faith today. I don't think myself for a second to be a hero. Let alone a hero of the faith. But what I'd like to say tonight is I aspire to be one. I want to be all of what God wants me to be. And I want to do all of what God made me to do. You know what I understand about that? I've got to continue daily if that's going to happen. And I'm going to have to be engaged daily. You know what I see? Culture is teaching people to disengage. Turn your mind on autopilot. Turn it off. Don't think for yourself. Don't read for yourself. Don't study for yourself. Take everything that's told you by media and the culture, and just accept it. Don't engage your heart. Don't engage your mind. Don't engage. When I I look at the Bible, the Bible tells us we're to engage our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. Whatsoever thy hand findeth, do do with all thy might. It's hard to find people today that will engage just part of themselves, that will sacrifice just a little bit. Let alone give all to the glory of God. I wonder, because that kind of scares us today when we think of those radical notions that people before us did with great faith and we saw great things that happen, Great moves of God. If we really want revival, we're going to have to be willing to pay for it. If we really want a great move of God, we have to be willing to pay for it. You say, what do you mean, just money? Well, not just money, but money. Time, yes, not just time, but time. Service, yes, not just service, but service. It's going to take a lot of things. But the truth of the matter is, it just takes all of us. Where we just say, God, I'm yours. I'm willing to engage in whatever you want me to engage in. To make my life a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, because it's just my reasonable service as a Christian. It's what you made me to do. And my challenge to you tonight is to be an engaged church. And uh, that's really what I want us this year to think about. I love the Word. I've been meditating, thinking about it, praying about it, defining it, looking at quotes and Scripture for a long time on this topic because I really want to challenge you tonight to think about what it means to be an engaged church. It really just means to be a first century church. It means to be what Christians ought to be. It means to be what the Bible says a church should be. And that's really all it means. Can we look at that just for a few minutes tonight? Father, I pray you bless your word as we look at it tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, may be seated. God, in his great wisdom, has placed this church into the community, into the culture, and the time it is presently in with great purpose. You believe that? Great purpose. I want you to think about that, the purpose for why we're here. So many people do things that are purposeless. Uh, so much of what, when I, when I see what Jesus did, Jesus always had a purpose, didn't he? Do you ever see, you with me tonight? Just give me your attention, just for a few minutes, it's okay. Do you ever see in the Bible a, a time where Jesus does anything and doesn't have a purpose? Jesus ever says anything without a purpose? Jesus ever goes anywhere that doesn't have a purpose? Everything that Jesus did, said, where he went, what—I uh, mean, everything he was involved. You say, "Well, he was the Son of God." You're right, but we're called to be followers of him. Are we not? We call ourselves followers of him. It's kind of a, a flippant term today. I'm a follower of Jesus. There's no more following Jesus. Uh, than then, then they are following the Scriptures. I mean, if you look, if I'm going to follow Jesus, I've got to follow His Word. So many people like to call themselves followers of Jesus, but they don't crack up on the Bible and see what the Bible says about what a follower of Jesus is. It's not just somebody who just, just does what they want to do and calls themselves a Christian. A follower of Jesus is someone who models their life after the Son of God, who says, I want to do what He did. Jesus said... Greater things shall you do, because I go unto my Father. You ever think about that? God left us here for His purpose, to His honor, to His glory, so that we would do greater things. God has planted our church here. He's placed our church here. God is the pillar and the ground of the church. He's the foundation. He's the chief cornerstone. Uh, He is the chief shepherd. We know that, right? And so, Jesus Christ... Is the founder, if you would. He's the, he's the one that we look to. He's the one that we follow after. And he's planted this church here with a great purpose. He's, he's called us to be salt and light, to be a witness of his saving grace and power. To change lives. To continue to teach and preach the gospel until he comes. I submit to you tonight that we're not called to be fearful and detached from the society that we live in. We're called to engage it with the word of God. By the Spirit of God for the glory of God. It's what God has called us to do. He said, I want you to engage the culture, not be afraid of it. I want you to engage the place where I planted you, not to be fearful and detached from it. Too many Christians believe the word separation uh, means that I don't ever talk to anybody that's not a Christian. And that's not what the Bible means about separation at all. I'm separated to God. I'm separated from sin. But as far as people are concerned, I'm here for them. I'm here for people. I'm here to preach the gospel and to give the truth of the word of God to them. To engage means to pledge, to involve, to connect, to occupy ourselves. Means to be committed. Means to be involved. And uh, I really believe that we've seen a decline In a church's involvement in areas where the church is supposed to be most involved. Where God has called us to that. Because we failed to engage where God's called us. We've allowed sin to keep us from having the power to engage the world spiritually. The truth of the matter is, is I cannot engage this world spiritually if I've got sin in my heart and I'm not right with God. Because I've got to be right with the Lord and have His power in order to engage the world that we live in spiritually. You know, we've allowed uh, other things to busy us, other things to occupy us. Come on, how much time did you waste this year? How much time did I waste this year? Come on, every time we do something, the world really, we have so many time savers that we have created time wasters. It's easier to do things now, so we have more time, so we have more time to waste, and so therefore, we engage ourselves in things that waste time. Instead of doing what the Bible says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And I wonder if we would think about the fact that we waste time that God would have us to be engaged uh, in things that matter and things of value. I don't ever want to come to the end of my life and say, I wish I would have done more, but I think I probably will. Because I really come to the end, uh, as my wife and I prayed tonight before we came out, I said this, and I really mean it. I said, Lord, forgive me if I didn't spend enough time If I didn't dedicate enough energy, if I didn't put enough of myself into this, forgive me. But God, I'm going to turn it over to you and let you do what only you can do. And I want to do everything I can do because I believe that what God does is so much greater than what I can do. But God does require me to do. God does want me to give everything I have. And once I come to the end of myself, guess what? I turn it over to him and boy, he does a great job, doesn't he? Doesn't God do great with where we, where, I mean, every once in a while, it's good for you to push yourself to your limits and find out where you end so that you can find out how much further God goes. Because I think sometimes we never stretch ourselves to our limits. We just think, well, I've just got to be where I'm at and I'm just going to continue. Come on, I don't want to have another same old, same old year. How about you? I don't want to have another, right, we just, we did that, we've done it. People in this world, that's what they're doing. They get up, they go to work, they come home, they go to sleep and Their their whole life is just about same old, same old. I mean, it's their phraseology. It's what they say. It's the same stuff, a different day. I mean, it's the same things that we do. It's just a different day that we do them in. That's not the life of a Christian. The life of a Christian is engaged life. We've allowed sin to keep us. We've allowed complacency to keep us from caring and connecting with the lost in the world. Come on, complacency is one of the greatest sins in a Christian's life. It's where we disengage. It's where we say, well, I just, you know, I can't really bring myself to care the way Jesus says I should care. And the problem is, is that you're trying to bring yourself to it instead of allowing the Lord to bring you to it. Because if we would look on the loss, Jesus, when he looked at things, he looked at things that moved him with compassion. Jesus was in places, wasn't he? He was was in positions where when he saw, it would move him. You see, when Jesus looked on the multitudes, he was moved with compassion because they faded and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. That's what the Bible says. How much time do we spend looking at things that don't move us? To anything. Why, Why the video presentation? Why all this thing? Because I'm really cognizant of the fact that we live in a generation of people that really need to be engaged on a media level... Because they spend so much time looking at things that don't move them that I want to present them with something that will move them. I I don't know about you, but New Year's Eve when we watched that film on Light in the Darkness and heard the testimony, even from that one Indian girl. I could just listen to that testimony again and again. We heard that testimony from her. That was engaging to me. You know, they encouraged me. I wanted to go after and watch that film and go win somebody to Christ. I mean, I really just said, boy, God is able to do amazing things. I mean, in the world that we live in, sometimes we think so small, don't we? It's only our church. It's only our area. Listen, you know what I'm so encouraged about? That tonight there's churches all across America right now doing what we are doing. That's amazing to me. That's encouraging to me. Because it speaks volumes of the fact that we are not what the media says we are as a country. That They are ill-presenting what we are. I'm not saying we're the moral majority tonight, but I am saying that we're not dead. I'm saying the church of God is not something that has, has fallen, away, fallen away and is, is, is of no use anymore and has no impact and it is irrelevant. If the church is irrelevant, it's because we've made it irrelevant, not because God has. God's Word is relevant. I don't make it any more relevant. I cannot come and bring you a relevant message. God's Word is already relevant. I think so many pastors think they make the Word of God relevant. The word of God is relevant. It just needs to be preached. It just needs to be presented. It's relevant as it is. God's word is eternal. It has value in every time, race, tribe, people, language, and all the world. It has relevance all the time. It's never lost its power. But complacency keeps us. We've allowed comfort to replace our standing in the gap for our country. Petitioning God in prayer for his mercy. We enjoy the comforts, but we like to criticize those that have provided them to us. We don't want to go and, and compassionately petition our country. Say, what are we going to do? You know, it's amazing as I sat and talked with our congressmen and other people this year and asked them, how many phone calls does it take for them to seriously consider a topic? And I was thinking, you know, it must be like 100, 150, you know, 1,000 maybe. In the country? Ten. They said ten phone calls on a particular issue, and their office is busy considering what is being asked of these people. Because what he said to me is, we're servants of the people. We have to consider what people say to us. We can't ignore it. And so many times I think that we think that we can't do anything, that our hands are tied, can I, can I say tonight, God's hands are not tied. God, God is not befuddled tonight. He's not sitting up there wrenching his hands wondering what he's going to do tomorrow because of the decisions that somebody in Washington, D.C. made. God is okay. He's fine. As we sang tonight, he's God alone. He's on the throne. You know, he, he, he's okay. He's okay. Let's not live in fear as Christians and, and fail to engage because we got too comfortable. We got too complacent. We've allowed carelessness to disconnect us from the relevant life changing truths of Scripture. Careless with the Bible. Come on, it's gone from the top on down. We're here less preaching from the Bible in churches and more about topical issues. Come on, we need the Word of God. That's what we need the Word of God. I mean, given. Uh, I mean, just present it as is and preached and uh, not just us coming up with something and, you know, coming up with an idea and then trying to put scripture to it, but rather just preaching the word instant, in season and out of season. What can we do? Let me give you some things tonight. You heard them in the video. Number one, we've got to engage our, our what? Our hearts in compassion as Jesus displayed for the lost. We've got to engage our minds. Do you believe there's a battle going on right now for the minds of people? Do you look what's going on that the world's presenting to our children today? Don't you think for a second the devil's trying to steal away their minds? I mean, we've got young people that could go, they could listen to... Three hours of whatever show they want. They could go to the movies, they could do, watch all this stuff, but they cannot listen to preaching. Cannot listen to the word of God. I don't want to listen to it. Why? Minds stolen away. My mind is elsewhere, somewhere else, entertained by something else other than God. I'm not captivated by God. I'm captivated by me because I am God. And that is what the world is teaching. Young people. I'm not God, and neither are you. But we do have a God in heaven that's worthy of worship and praise and wants to engage us and wants to fellowship with us. And by the way, it's really awesome to fellowship with God. It's really wonderful to have a relationship with Him. And I really am sad for people that don't have a relationship with Him. Uh, The generation of young people that get made to come to church is not the generation that's going to change the world. I got to go to church. No, no, I am the church. I am the church. I'm here for such a time as this to make a difference. Where are the Ruths? Where are the Esthers, young ladies? I mean, where are the young ladies that say, I'm here for such a time as this to make a difference? God's put me here for a purpose, for a plan. And it's not to just go busy myself in what culture has dictated me to busy myself with. Because all that stuff's fluff. All those stars, they won't remember them in 10 years. All the posters and things you're list, they won't remember them in 10 years. All the friends, they won't be friends in 10 years. They won't, I mean, the things that young people, they're so temporal and so irrelevant. And what I'm saying to you is, hey, young people, understand there's a battle for your mind and don't give in to it. Give your mind to Jesus. Give your mind to what sort of things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of good report. Give your mind to those things. Because there is a very real battle for our minds. Men, there's a battle for your mind. For your imaginations. Mm. What happened in the days of Noah? Because as in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. What happened in the days of Noah? The thoughts and imaginations of man were only evil continually. It's interesting. Can't even say something. Can't even say something. Hardly anymore. Without the fear of somebody twisting it in perversion. Because everything's perverted. Everything's twisted. Get this. Come on. Man, we know. I mean, I don't have to give you statistics about internet, television and all the things that we have that are filthy in this world, for us to understand, there's a battle going on for our minds. Ladies, it's the same battle for you. Just different weapons used. Uh, You may be out of your Bible and not engaged in what you're supposed to, because, listen, it could be as simple as Christian romance novels. I'm just being honest. Be in the world where you are. Engage where you are. Read the Bible. I mean, think about where we are and what we're supposed to be doing. Too much time is spent in the fictional fantasy world. And and reading is is one way that happens too. I like to read, but I like to read things that engage me and not just entertain me. Come on. Uh, We ought to read things that engage us as Christians. And the Word of God is one of those things. Engage our hearts, engage our minds. Bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And also engaging our minds in creative and compelling ways to get people to Jesus. <laughs> I think of that man born of four. Those men found a compelling and creative way to get their friend to Jesus. Because their minds were engaged. They weren't like, well, guess we can't bring our friend to church today because it looks like it's cold outside. Guess, guess we can't uh, be involved in, uh, in, 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 in getting our friend to Jesus because the, the situation, circumstances are too adverse. I don't think the weather would have hindered them. I, I don't think the times would have... I don't think anything would have hindered them because when I see them getting to the house, what do they do? I mean, not only do we think about how they got him in the house, but we think about that they carried him all the way there. Up the mountain, through the hills, down the valley, to the home. They came a long way bearing the man. They got him to Jesus, though, didn't they? They accomplished the task. I wonder if we were so creative and compelling about getting people to Jesus, if more people would come to Christ. Because we just need to get them there, don't we? But we've got to be creative, and we've got to engage our minds to do that. Christians shouldn't be ignorant and foolish. Christians shouldn't be unwise. Christians shouldn't be stupid. That's not what God's called us to do. We're supposed to be wise, Engage your minds, engage your body, laboring, being spent. Give your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Engage your resources, using everything we have been given for the Lord's will to bring honor and glory to him. Look at Acts chapter 2. Did they engage their resources? And sold their possessions and goods and part of them to all men and every man had need. And they all believed and were together and had all things common. Why did daily God add to the church? Because daily the church was doing what they were supposed to do. They were engaged. Well, that's, you know, that's early Bible times. We can't see things like that anymore. Fooey on that. I don't believe uh, that God is hindered dispensationally in power. That God just says, well, I can't work. I can't do anymore because it's not time for me to do that. God can do anything, but fail. God can do anything. Oh, that's just you know that's just pie in the sky stuff. Well, maybe that's just faith, and we're too too busy living our Christian life full of sight. Well, I haven't seen it before. I've never done it before. I've never experienced it before. Therefore, my God cannot do it. I don't serve a God like that. I hope you don't either. Engage our engage in. We must engage in outreach. We must engage in giving. We must engage in family. We must engage in government. We must engage in marriage. We must engage in world missions. There's some things we've got to engage in. And I believe if we've engaged our hearts, minds, souls, bodies, strength, resources, if we've done that, we're going to engage in these things. Because this is what God's called us to engage in. It's what God's called us to do. We've got to engage in these things. And then lastly tonight, We've got to engage for. For what? Well, number one, for the next generation. We've got to leave behind a vibrant, involved people should the Lord tarry his return. If God comes back before we accomplish all of these things, will I be upset? Absolutely not. Even so, come quickly. Lord Jesus, you with me on that one? I want God... To come soon. I mean, I'm looking to his return. How about you? But I kind of feel like Paul in a little bit. I'm in a straight betwixt two. Having desire to depart, but also to be here. Because I want to be here to fulfill all what God wants me to do. You know, I believe that there's more people to be saved. I believe there's more lives to be changed. I believe there's more to be done. Come on, you with me? Much more to be done. We've got to engage for the next generation, should the Lord Terry. We must engage for the hope of our country. When did Christians stop believing that we were the hope of the country instead of politicians being the hope of our country? A politician is never the hope of our country. Christians are the hope of our country. They've always been the hope of our country. They've always been the help of our country. It's always, always, always been the remnant of Christians. God has blessed America because of Christians. God has blessed our country because of the prayer, the effectual fervent prayer of righteous men. That's what I believe. I believe when men signed away their lives so that we could have freedom in a declaration of independence, which, by the way, they did give their lives for. I believe when they did that, that most of those men understood the cost. They considered it, but they valued freedom To worship God, freedom to have a country under God of greater value than their lives. You know what that tells me? We have something worth fighting for. We have something worth living for. We have something worth dying for. I wonder how many Americans today would die for the same price and cost. It's a challenge. But I'm not challenging you to die for it tonight. I'm just challenging you to live for it. I mean, live as the hope of America. You say, well, we don't really matter. Maybe that's the problem because we think we don't. Maybe that's why we don't show up. Maybe that's why we don't engage when we do show up. Because we think we don't really matter. Do you think this meeting matters tonight? I do. I think it matters. I'm glad the meeting that I was in when a missionary preached the gospel that... He thought it mattered, and other people thought it mattered to have the service. I'm glad for that, changed my life. I'm glad that people still think it matters. You know, you know what I'm encouraged by tonight? that at the time of night it is on Sunday evening, when the weather is adverse, that you think it matters enough to be here? Because I think it matters. I'd much rather do this than this. I'd much rather do this than anything, to be honest. I'm glad to be with God's people tonight. I need to be challenged. And boy, you know, I'm glad that I serve with people that challenge me, that encourage me. Engage for the hope of our country. We must engage for the help of our world. I believe that God has blessed America so, so that we could take the gospel further into the world. There was a time when America sent out more missionaries. That was the, one of the chief exports of America, was missionaries. Sending the gospel around the world. It's time we took the word of God literally once again. When God says go, he means go. When God says preach, he means preach. When God says baptize, he means baptize. When God says teach, he means teach. We cannot spiritualize the Great Commission. Well, I'll give and somebody else can do it. No. You can give, somebody else can do it because you're giving, but that does not replace your responsibility to also fulfill the Great Commission. We have got to do what God says. I believe with all my heart the early church made such an impact and turned the world upside down. That's what the Bible says. Because they took what God said literally before he ascended. They said, okay, this is what he said we got to do. We better get busy doing it. We better do what he said do. Boy, it took a lot of work, labor, sacrifice, didn't it? And I believe I'm a beneficiary of that. How about you? I've encouraged uh, several people uh, to read Fox's book of Martyrs recently and also the, tra- the Trail of Blood. And I don't know if you've read either, but I encourage you to read them, because you say, well, I don't want to know about all that bloody stuff. The truth of the matter is, is, it's such a reminder to me of those that paid the price so that I could do what I do today. And I don't want to take that for granted. Because what we have is worth living for. It's worth paying for. It's worth sacrificing for. It's worth dying for. There will come a day, once again, where it will come down to your life is lost if you're a Christian. I'm thankful I don't live in that day right now. I'm thankful for the opportunity that we have. But let's not fall asleep, church. Let's not fall asleep. Because we've been asleep long enough. It's been a couple decades. It's time to wake up. It's time to engage. And maybe God's using government to wake the church up. Maybe, maybe God's using the time to wake. Maybe God is squeezing us financially to wake us up. I don't know what he's going to do, but I'm thankful for the wake-up call. How about you? Because I think it's time we wake up. We've slept long enough. The next generation, we've got to engage for. The hope of our country, the help of our world. The help of our world. I don't know if you think about that responsibility. And then lastly tonight, for the glory of the Lord, for the glory of God. I love history. I said that this morning. I love reading about battles, wars, because I'm inspired by what people would give their lives for. You know how many soldiers charged into fields of battle, knowing they were going to give their lives, shouting for the glory of something? For the glory of the empire, for the glory of Rome, for the glory of, for the glory of, has been shouted many of times as soldiers have charged down in the field to give their lives. Can Can I say tonight we have no better battle cry than for the glory of the Lord? For the glory of God. I wonder how many of us would just give our lives tonight for the glory of God? God, I want you to get the glory from my life. God, get the glory. I want you to have the glory. I don't need the glory. Come on. I I don't need the praise. I want you to get the glory from my life. I wonder how many of us would, if you would, charge onto the field tonight. It's a battle cry. But I sang this to you because I don't know if you're thinking about this. We are in a battle. The songwriter said it well, it's a battlefield brother, not a recreation room. It's a fight, not a game. Run if you want to, run if you will, but I came here to stay. You know, I wonder how many of us would think this is a battle. The Bible tells us that again and again and again and again. We're in a battle. We've lingered too long at the camp. That's why there's so much fighting amongst Christendom today. Too much time at the camp, this camp, that camp, over here at this camp. Soldiers don't fight in foxholes. When they understand they're in a battle, they engage together for the glory of God. I wonder tonight if we just think maybe we're the reason why we've had so many battles amongst Christians you know, Christians, you're just sitting at home right now battling on the internet with each other over stupid things, really stupid things. I mean, just back and forth, back and forth, back. What do you think? What do I think? What do you think? What do I, when, does, when does what I think and what you think have such great value anymore? It doesn't really matter. Who's being saved as a result of that? Whose lives being changed as a result of that? What are we really engaging ourselves in? Wasting time, fighting amongst ourselves when we should be engaging for the glory of the Lord. Who gets the glory when, when, when we win a fight? Well, we're trying to. That's why we're fighting, because only pride, by pride cometh contention. But when the battle's won, when the battle's over, we shall wear a crown. I wonder, we understand, one day Jesus is going to step out over the valley where they tried to throw him down the cliff into, and Jesus kind of passed through them like they weren't there. One day that same valley, the Lord is going to step out as King of kings and Lord of lords and vanquish all his enemies. We're going to be there to experience that. You think any of the stuff that we're engaging in right now is going to matter at that point? I wonder, are we engaged? And daily, they continued daily. And daily, it was added to the church. I hope that's our spirit tonight. Father, I pray you help us. If God has used this ministry in any way to be a blessing to you, please take a moment to send us an email to info at opendoornj.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at opendoornj.org. Thanks for tuning in.